welcome to the broadcast of Crosstown Church of Memphis. We are a church that is Christ-centered, diversity-driven, and community-committed. A church that's bringing people together, sharing God's message of hope, love, and service. We seek to love God, love people, and serve the city. We welcome you to our broadcast with Pastor Byron Fitzpatrick. We're continuing a series that we started a few weeks ago. Today we're on part three. The series title is titled uh, The Good Work. And in this series, what we're doing is we're looking at um, uh, we're looking at ordinary everyday. We're looking at this guy named ne Nehemiah. Nehemiah, he's just an everyday ordinary guy, uh, but um, he allowed for God to use him to do a good work. And so, our takeaway from this is that God, that we have a God, we have a Father. He specializes in using everyday ordinary people, just like you and I. God doesn't need someone who's a superstar. He doesn't need someone who is you know, in high places or whatever like that, someone with the best talent, the fastest, the smartest, you know, and so forth. All God needs is someone who's committed and willing to do the work. If he has someone who's committed committed and willing to do the work, then he will use them to do great things. And so Nehemiah was just a normal, everyday, uh, ordinary guy. Um, in fact, he was a cupbearer to the king in Persia. And so God, but he allowed God to use him to do a great work. And, you know, um, we have a work before us here at Crosstown Church. In this series, this is one of the things that we've been focusing on is the work that we have here at Crosstown Church. And God, he desires to use, and he has been since the very beginning, using everyday, ordinary people like you and I to do a work. We began a good work, and we're at a place now where we have more work that we have to continue. In part one, I warned you all about the work that we have. And that in that work, I warned you that, you know, when God... When you let God use you, it's going to come with a price. When you let God use you, you're going to have to endure some things. You know, whenever you take a leap of faith, um, if you're standing on a cliff and you take a leap of faith and you, you jump off, you're going to fall before you begin to soar. And so during that time, when you let God use you, you're going to experience some hardships. You're going to experience some, uh, some pain, some rejection, some heartaches. You're going to experience some failures. Some times of feeling lonely, some doubts, some discouragement. You know, people, they're going to laugh at you. You know that people are going to misunderstand you. People are, will even make fun of you for your decision to take that leap of faith or to that your decision to do something great for God, to do something uh, 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 meaningful for God. And um, so in that, we're going to experience some hardships. We're going to experience some, some rough times doing that. But Here's the thing, when you see the impact, when you see the impact of your commitment, when you see the impact of the work that you do to, uh, uh, to do something great, to impact the lives of other people, and also when you see the glory that God gets from that, the joy that comes will overshadow all of that stuff that you had to endure. It will overshadow the price that you had to pay, and you will be, uh, uh, you will be, extremely blessed. How many of you know that 
whenever you do something good and meaningful, especially when it pertains to God, it seems like the devil shows up. It's, it's, like, it's like, you know, when you do something meaningful for yourself to, prog to move yourself forward, to do something great and meaningful for yourself, you do something great and meaningful for God, you know, some <clears throat> something great and meaningful for other people. You know, in, 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 a, in, a, in a big way, it seems like the devil shows up. It seems like your haters, you know, they just show up out of nowhere. You know, mm -hmm. uh, um, your enemies, your haters, they just they come out and they start attacking you and they start attacking the work that you do. You know, we go. This goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, they were doing they were doing just fine until the serpent showed up, you know, and he derailed them in, in the direction that they were going. You know, people. Uh, they mocked Noah when he was building the ark. God told him to build an ark. People laughed at him. They mocked at him. They made fun of him. You know, Moses, he had Pharaoh. Pharaoh was his uh, opposition. He was he was opposing what Moses was, was trying to do. And Moses was simply following the instruction in the direction of God. And in that, Pharaoh was his own brother. He wasn't his blood brother, but he was adopted. Uh, Moses was adopted into Pharaoh's uh, family and uh, taken into Pharaoh's family. And the two of them, grew up together as close brothers. And, and so here they are now, brothers who, you know, are adversaries. King Saul, <clears throat> King Saul, who was David's own king. David was a young boy, a teenager, young man, grew, grew up under the, the, the kingship of King Saul. And David, at a young age, at, that, at a teenager, he was anointed to be king of Israel. Uh, but not at that moment, but it's going to be years later that he's going to become king. But uh, King Saul found out about that and he got jealous of this young man. Uh, um, and he even as he grew up, he sought out to kill him multiple times. So here David has an has a has a, a, a hater, you know, someone who's coming against him before he even takes the position and, and the throne of being king. David wasn't even interested in being king. You know, Job, his own wife told him to curse God and die. His own wife told him to curse God and die. Jesus, you know, he had Herod, Herod was his adversary. Herod, Herod was trying to kill him when he was a newborn baby. What did Jesus do? He hadn't done nothing yet but breathe and poop and cry and throw up on his mama. That's it. And here we got somebody seeking out to try to kill him. You know, the Jewish leaders, you know, once Jesus got into his ministry, they opposed his ministry. They would they, they came out hating on him. Judas, someone who was in his inner circle, betrayed him. All the disciples, they faced all types of op opposition. Anyone who tries to do something great and meaningful to advance the kingdom of God and even to advance their own personal lives, to advance the lives of other people, will have haters and will have opposition. I know you guys know what I'm talking about. Amen. Nehemiah, guy that we're looking at uh, in this in this series, Nehemiah had haters to come out and oppose the work that he began. If you are just joining us in this series, I want to encourage you to go back and uh, listen to or watch uh, part one and part two so that you can catch up. I'm, I'll give, I'm going to give a, a brief recap of the story of Nehemiah, a very brief recap, but go back and listen to part one and part two. You can go to the podcast um, and look up Crosstown Church of Memphis, or you can go to my YouTube page, which is uh, Byron Fitzpatrick. There's a channel on there called Crosstown Church of Memphis, and you can find our messages, or you can just go to the church website, wearecrosstown.com, and they're on there as well. All right. 
but go back and listen to part one and part two so you can catch up. But here's a little brief recap. Nehemiah, he was just, like I said, he was just an ordinary, everyday guy who was a cupbearer of uh, the king in Persia. He had, um, he heard about the Jewish people. So the Jews for many years had been in exile. They, uh, the Babylonians came in and took them into captivity, destroyed the city of Jerusalem and uh, tore down the gates that left the city in ruins. Just like we can, we can relate today, like the war that's going on with Russia and Ukraine. And we see uh, uh, images all over the news. Every time we see Ukraine, it's in ruins, a city that was a thriving uh, modern uh, metropolis city is in ruins now. It's in shambles. You know, uh, they still have dead bodies laying around in, in, in different places throughout the country, just laying in the streets. And so here, Jerusalem had been destroyed uh, by the Babylonians in war. And so here we are years later, you know, uh, I, I, I think like 150 years later or something like that. Nehemiah, the, the Jews are no longer in captivity. About 50,000 Jews had went back to Jerusalem to live there, uh, to try to rebuild the city and so forth. Nehemiah heard about they were not having a good, they were not doing good in repairing the city. They didn't have the resources. They didn't have the material. They didn't have the money. They were just doing the best that they can. And it wasn't going good for them. And when he, when he heard about it, his heart was broken. And so he cried out to God and he prayed and he fasted for days. And during that time that he prayed and fasted for days, after that, he went to the king. He asked God, he said, God, give me favor with the king. Remember, he's a cupbearer to the king of Persia. He said, give me favor with the king. And so one day he's serving the king drinks and the king sees that he wasn't, you know, his demeanor was not good. He could tell something was upset with him. And the king said, what's wrong, Nehemiah? Nehemiah said, man, he's not man, but, you know, uh, king. He said, my, my people that return back to Jerusalem, it's, it's not going well for them. They're trying to rebuild the city. They don't have the resources. They don't have anything. And it's, it's not good for them. Even And, and they're, they're in a vulnerable state right now. And he said, he said, the king said, he said, what can I do to help? And Nehemiah said, he says, let me go back to Jerusalem to help rebuild the city. And he said also, and the king said, okay, cool. Go back to there and help them rebuild. And he said, okay. He said, can you also write me a letter so that I have safe passage? Because I got to travel through some countries to get there. So I have safe passage. Nobody will mess with me. He said, also, can you write a letter to some of the surrounding countries and see what they if they would donate some materials, some building materials to help us to uh, rebuild? Because everything is in shambles. They don't really have nothing there um, um, to, to do this to do this work. And King says, yes, I'll give you whatever it is that you want. He said, I'll, I'm going to even send some soldiers with you to help accompany you and help do the work on, on this trip and to keep you safe and everything. So Nehemiah goes um, uh, uh, to Jerusalem. He gets to Jerusalem. He finds, he sees the cities in ruins. He does an assessment to try to come up with a plan. He came up with a plan of, of you know, beginning to rebuild the city. He goes to the leaders at the time they're in Jerusalem. And he says to them, the Jewish leaders, he says, hey, I got a plan. The king has sent, uh, uh, sent me here. We have a plan on on, on and starting with the rebuilding of the walls all around the city. That's what we want to start on. He said, we got getting donations from surrounding countries. They're going to donate some material. And so he began to tell them everything. And, the, and those leaders said to Nehemiah, and he, they said, let the good work begin. And so they began to organize and put together uh, their, their plans, implement the plan and to rebuild this uh, city and to rebuild the walls. Amen. But the, one of the things that we, we took away from the lesson one and lesson two is the, the response of those Jewish leaders, let the good work begin. Thus, the title 
the good work. Amen. So today, here we are, part three, and this is where we're at today. The subtitle of today's lesson is, Here They Come. Amen. So the good work has begun. Now here they come. Who's coming? Who's coming? The haters are coming out. Amen. <laughs> the haters are coming out. And so I want to start by reading from the book of Nehemiah, chapter three, verse one. And it says this again, Nehemiah, chapter three, verse one. It says, then the high priest and all the other priests started re or started to rebuild the sheep gate. It says they dedicated it to set up the doors, uh, building walls as far as the Tower of 100, the Tower of 100 and the Tower of Hananel. All right. I know I stumbled over that when I was reading. So I'll just tell you what I just said. OK. Or what I just read. So the priests, the, the Jewish leaders, the high priests and some other priests, they got together and they started building. Who did this? Who started building, y'all? The high priest. This is the highest ranking preacher in, in Jerusalem at the time. The high priests and who? Other priests got in. Who was Nehemiah? Nehemiah was a cupbearer for a king in Persia that came with resources, that came with the plan. They said, let the good work begin. So they started working the plan that Nehemiah had to rebuild the gate, to rebuild this, the wall around the city. And the high priest and the priest, they rolled up their sleeves, they put on their boots, and they got in there and they started working. All right. And they started working with doing what? Building, rebuilding the gates around the city. So it says here again, then the high priest and other priests, they started to rebuild the sheep gate. It says they dedicated it and they set up doors building the walls as far as the, the Tower of 100 and then the Tower of Han, Hananel. So when you go through the third chapter of Nehemiah, it goes through step by step the building process of building the wall and build, rebuilding the gates of the city all the way around. All right. Other And they organized other groups. They had groups, different groups that was organized for different sections of the wall and the gates all the way around the city. OK, they had people who were some some were carpenters, some were priests, as we see right here. Some were dentists, some were attorneys. Some were, uh, 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 you know, I'm going to put it in today's terms. Some were bus drivers, you know, some was hairdressers, some was IT workers, you know, some worked in restaurants, worked in food service, some, some, you know, worked in human services, you know, people work, people of all sorts. And, and, and I would dare to say that very few of them had some real construction skills. When you go through and you read this chapter, very few of them were carpenters, they had they had careers and, you know, stuff from from all over, you know, in towns from other things, but being a construction. But and Nehemiah, he wasn't no construction worker. He wasn't no foreman. He, he didn't know nothing about this stuff, but he came up with a plan and they put this thing together. Amen. And it says here and it goes on. Listen to this right here. OK, I'm just telling you all what it says. You can go back and read it yourself. So they started they started with building these gates, rebuilding the gates. And then on these gates, as they would rebuild the gates, they would start building the walls on. So so one group, what this is what they would do. One group built the gate. They took a gate. They built that gate. And then after they built that gate and got the doors up to the gate, they would start repairing the wall going down to the next tower. So like I said, the Tower of 100 and then the Tower of Hanano. So on a, on a wall, if you look at these different forts, go back to history, how they used to do it. Along walls of protections around cities, they have forts or they had towers. OK, and so uh, those towers and then they would come to another gate. So you had one group that was preparing to repair the gate. 
and then they build a section to a tower, and then they build another section to a tower, going on to, to, the, to the next gate. And then that's where the other group was building that gate. So they had this, this, this chain reaction of the wall going up, starting with gates from different groups all the way around the city. So they were able, they were able to make a lot of progress by doing it this way really fast. All right. It says they repaired this, this one gate called the fish gate. There was another gate called the old city gate. One was the valley gate. One was the fountain gate. One was the water gate. One was called the horse gate. One was called the east gate. It was a bunch of gates. I mean, a whole city now. You just think about you building a wall all the, way, all the way around the city of Memphis. So it was a bunch of gates around the city of Jerusalem in this, you know, on this wall. There was even one called the dung gate. And, you know, I don't know if I was there during this time. I would tell, have to tell Nehemiah, don't assign me to the dung gate. I don't want to be a part of that gate because I'm sure it's probably close to the horse gate. And the horse gate and the dung gate probably stinks really bad. So move me somewhere else. Put me near the water gate or something like that. You know, uh, <laughs> the fish gate. Put me near the fish gate because at least I know I can eat. But anyway, a lot of people, they joined in and helping to rebuild the gate on the walls all the way around the city. They even got help from surrounding cities. There was people from Jericho that came in to help them. People from Gideon, people from Mizba. And, and, you know, there was other cities, too, that came around. And they helped them to build and to, to rebuild and to reconstruct this wall uh, with the gates all the way around the city. All right. So the good work had begun. The good work had begun. And all the people, they were encouraged and they were making progress really fast. All right. They could see the progress of their work. Things were shaping up. The wall was shaping up. All right. Everybody take a deep breath. Then here come the haters. Here come the haters. Here come the opposition. All right. In chapter four, the very next chapter, there's this guy by the name of Sambalot. He was a Samaritan leader and he opposed the work that, ne that Nehemiah and, and the Jews were doing there to repair the wall around the city. He was their biggest hater. And he, he even talked to other people to get other people. He got into their ears, you know, and 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 and, and got getting them to, you know, uh, 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 agree with him and to become haters. Also, you know, your haters, they tend to get into the ear of everybody, don't it? And, and it's, it's amazing how they can influence people to turn against you. People who would have probably otherwise been one of your supporters and get them to turn against you. So in verse number one, chapter four, this is what it says. Sambalot was very angry when he learned uh, that we were building. This is Nehemiah talking, okay? Sambalot was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the city wall. He said he flew into a rage and he mocked the Jews, saying, his, uh, saying to his friends and to the Samaritan army officers. So he's talking to his friends and he's also talking to the officers of the uh, Samaritan army, all right? And he says this. He said, what does those bunch of poor, feeble Jews think that they're doing? Do they think that they can re rebuild a wall in a single day just by offering a few sacrifices? Do they think that they can make something out of these stones, uh, which are heat, which are which are which are a heap of rubbish, and some of them even charred? They because the city had been burned down, right? So a lot of these stones and everything was burnt. The whole city was just burnt up, right, and just destroyed. You look at Ukraine right now; a lot of charred uh, 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 buildings and stones and everything look like burnt up because they've been bombing everything, right? So Sambalot, he had no Sambalot, he had no concern whatsoever with what was going on in Jerusalem. None. He had no concern whatsoever, but he heard about what they were doing. 
he heard about the, the progress that they were doing and how fast they was building this wall up. And for whatever reason, he gets upset about it and start telling other folks about it and, and, and getting them to see it the way he see it. He had no concern whatsoever with Jerusalem What was and, and what was going on in Jerusalem. It wasn't even affecting him in no way whatsoever. He was simply jealous. He was just jealous. Why? Because he sees somebody doing good. How many times have people been jealous of you? For what? Just because you're doing good? You're doing something good? You're making some progress and they just, why are you jealous? I mean, what's the problem here? He had Nehemiah and, and the people were doing such a great work. This wasn't even affecting Sambalot in no way whatsoever. He was jealous. What was one of the reasons that he was jealous? He was jealous because the king of Persia showed Nehemiah so much favor. Whatever Nehemiah asked for, the king was giving it to him, granting it to him. And not only that, he wrote letters to the some other countries around there, other places, telling them to donate material and supplies to Jerusalem, to name uh, Nehemiah, to build, to rebuild the city. So I, I would suspect this, who was Sambalot? Sambalot, he was a governor in one of the Persian regions. Okay, he, so he's under the leadership, under the kingship of the king of Persia. So the king of Persia probably said, I need y'all to donate some material to them. What? What are we doing that for? Donate some material <laughs> to them, help them build us wall. He got jealous. He was jealous because Nehemiah had so much favor from the king. You know, it, it, it really was none of his business. He really had no reason to be jealous. If anything, why not just be happy and help someone to do something good? Why not just celebrate with people when they're celebrating? Why not just rejoice with people when they're rejoicing? But that's, that's not what haters do, right? The whole time they were trying to rebuild without a plan, the, the, the Jews, the whole time they were trying to rebuild the city without a plan. They didn't have any resources. They didn't have nothing. They wasn't doing good. Nobody complained. They didn't have any haters at all. But the very moment that Nia shows up with the plan and with the resources, with favor from the king, now everybody wants to complain. Now everybody wants to complain. You could be sitting at the table, starving, hungry, ain't got nothing to eat. You're starting to see the bones on your body. Somebody bring you a nice, hefty plate and somebody got to say something about it. You got a big piece of chicken. Somebody got to say something about it. Y'all know what I'm talking about. In most cases, in most cases, your haters, they have nothing to do whatsoever with your forward move, with the forward movement in your life. In most cases, it ain't got nothing to do with them whatsoever, but they hating on you. It ain't none of their business. It doesn't even affect them. In other words, it's not going to hurt them. It's not going to cause them to lose anything. They're not falling backwards or anything like that. It doesn't even affect them. They are just simply jealous. When things in your life is a mess and there's, there's no signs of forward movement, they are silent. But the very moment that you start showing up or showing some type of forward movement, here they come. The devil shows up and your haters show up. It seems like the devil just be asleep. He on vacation somewhere. He ain't even messing with you. He ain't even tripping. But as soon as you start doing something good, as soon as you start having some forward movement, especially as soon as you start doing something for God, now the devil just wakes up. It's like he was a uh, Rip Van Winkle just came up out of his sleep. And now he's going to wreak havoc on the whole world. What's that one movie? Oh, uh, 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 the, the one Titan movie. Oh, uh, 
uh, Waken the Kraken, the Kraken, right? And it, it was called Wake, Wake the Kraken. The Kraken is was sleeping in, in, in down deep in the deep in the depths of the ocean. And uh, they had to wake him up because he had to fight, right? <laughs> yeah, it was one of the Titans movies, Class of the Titans or something like that. Anyway, like the devil just been sleeping forever. Now all of a sudden he's going to wake up because you got something good going on in your life. Because you're doing something meaningful. Because you're doing something with purpose. You're doing something for God. Maybe you've been in that same place on your job for a long time with no real progress. And the very moment an opportunity presents itself to you, someone steps in and tries to derail your opportunity. Maybe you decided that you were going to pick up a volunteer responsibility at church, but something comes up and it diverts your attention away from making that commitment. You know, maybe you decided you wanted to start supporting the church financially, but then your car breaks down. Well, you got to get your car fixed. You know, uh, financial troubles come 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 your way. Well, you got to give attention to those things. And that, that's, that stuff is understandable, you know, and, and it's like every time you try to do something good, man, it's like something comes up, something. The devil has a way of just waking up, man. Every time you make a decision to do something more meaningful, something with purpose, something, you know, that 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 with uh, something or someone comes along and tries to stop it. Amen. Yeah. You want to know how to respond to your haters when they come? This is how you respond. Write this down if you take a note. You don't respond. When your haters come, don't respond. Okay? Don't waste your time with someone else's issues with you that has absolutely nothing to do with them. Your haters got issues with you. Why? It ain't got nothing to do with you. It ain't got nothing to do with them. Hey, look, I'm doing my thing over here. Why am I going to waste time giving energy to the mess that you're talking about over here? Giving attention to their giving attention to their mess distracts you from doing the good work that you're doing. Do not let them distract you from doing the work that you are doing. Amen. Nehemiah never responded to them. He heard about Sambalot. He heard about the other people that that was that was joining in with him and mocking them and talking about them and saying bad things and spreading all types of rumors and all types of gossip and everything like that. He heard about it and he did not respond to them at all. He never responded. Instead, you know what he did? He kept right on doing the good work. He kept right on working. Somebody come to Nehemiah. Nehemiah, this is what they're saying about us. Oh, okay, cool. Let's keep working, y'all. Nehemiah, somebody said this about, oh, they did. Okay, let's keep working, y'all. Oh, this is what they saying about. Oh, okay. Let's keep working, y'all. He just kept doing the work. Kept doing the work. The only thing that Nehemiah did do, there was one thing that he did do alongside of, you know, continuing the work, is he prayed. Nehemiah prayed, all right? Now, I I'm going to read his prayer in verse 4, chapter 4, verse 4. And I want to just say this. I do not encourage any one of you to pray like this. All right. You know, when we look back in the New Testament, Jesus, he told us how to pray. He told the disciples, asked him, how do we pray? And Jesus said, pray in this manner. He said, our father who art in heaven, how will be thy name? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All right. Y'all know the Lord's prayer. He told him how to pray, right? Nice, cool prayer. Nice, cool prayer. All right? <laughs> hey, I don't think this prayer had been taught yet. <laughs> 
with Nehemiah, when during Nehemiah's day, this prayer had not been taught yet, okay? So this is what Nehemiah prayed. And again, I don't encourage you guys to pray like this, all right? He says this in verse number four. He says, I prayed. Nehemiah said, I prayed. Hear us, O God, for we are being mocked. He says, may their scoffing fall on their heads and may, their, may they themselves become captive in a foreign land. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins, for they have provoked you to anger in front of these builders. Nehemiah, check him out, y'all. Nehemiah, he's asking God to deal back to them the same energy that they are dealing to them. God, they mocking us. They talking about us. They hating on us, God. Give it back to them. Give it back to them. Beat it on their heads, God. Deal. He's, he's, what he say? He said, made their scoffing fall on their own heads. The same trash that they talking about us, you know what, what they say, uh, um, uh, uh, do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. <laughs> he was, hey, this is what they doing to us. So they must want somebody to talk bad about them. So God, deal it back to them. Give them the same energy. Deal back to them the same energy that they dealing toward us. He wants God to, uh, um, he wants God to make them slaves in a foreign land. He's telling God, God, make them slaves in a foreign land. <laughs> make them slaves. He said, remember when we were slaves? Remember when we was in captivity? The Bab Babylonians took us in captivity, took us out of our own land. We was in exile. He said, do that to them, God. We do that to them. What, let, let's read what he said. What he said. He said, and may they themselves become captive in a foreign land. Make them slaves. Make them slaves, God. He wants God not even to show them mercy and not to forgive them for their not to forgive them for their sins. God, don't show them no mercy. Don't even forgive them for their sins. You know what Jesus said? They said, Jesus, how many times shall we forgive? Jesus said, Give uh seven times 70. Give as long as it takes, as much as it can. Always forgive. Amen. And, and here Nehemiah said, Don't forgive them, God. Don't forgive them. He said, Do not blot out their sins. Do not forgive them. He said, do not ignore their guilt. <laughs> he said, don't forgive them for their sins. Don't show them no mercy whatsoever, God. And he says, you know, this is what you call an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You know, back in the Old Testament, there was a, you know, a, a established during the uh, laws of Moses. There was a, a lot of laws um, that was based around this eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. In other words, whatever you deal to somebody else is going to be dealt back to you. And it's probably going to be dealt back to you. I think it was something like seven times. Okay. So whatever you dealt back, whatever you dealt to someone else that was bad or wrong or crimeful or whatever or sinful, then it was going to be dealt back to you like seven times, if I'm not correct, if, if I believe, if I remember that correctly. So an eye for an eye, a two for two. So Nehemiah, he's in this mosaic law mindset. And he's like, get him, God, an eye for an eye, a two for two. He said, so he didn't respond. Nehemiah did not respond to those people. Instead, he went to God and he prayed and he said, God, you get him. I, I'm not going to mess with it, God. He said, you deal with it. When your haters come out, do not respond to them. Instead, pray that God removes the distraction so that you can continue the work. Amen. Again, pray that God removes the distraction so that you can continue to work. Now, I ain't telling y'all to tell God to uh, make, tell him, go, you know, put them in slavery. Now, don't put your haters in slavery. OK, don't pray that. But uh, sometimes. Well, I mean, let me before I get ahead of myself. I believe this. This is what I believe. And I've been sharing this since part one. I believe that God is calling some of you to make a greater commitment 
to something that you're at the beginning of. I think it was last week I said, sometimes, sometimes we're at the beginning of something great and we don't have, an, we don't have no clue that we're at the beginning of something great. All we know is that we, we, we feel like maybe we're being moved. Maybe our heart was broken by something like Nehemiah was. Maybe there was a burden that we that that came upon us, you know, that whenever we hear about something or or see something, it just breaks our heart. You know, we want we feel like we want to do something. We don't necessarily know what to do. Nehemiah didn't, he wanted to do something. He didn't necessarily know what to do. So he went to God in prayer about it. Maybe, you know, there, there's something that you just feel like, man, I I I gotta do something. I gotta do something, you know. And 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 we never know when we're at the beginning of something great. And I believe that God is calling some of you to something greater, to make a greater commitment, to do something, to do something bigger than yourself, do something more than, than what you've already done. Just know that when you make that commitment, when you make that commitment to do something, to step out and to do the good work, amen, let, let, that, that here's what's going to happen. You're going to receive opposition. When you step out and you make a greater commitment, and you do the good work that's before you, you will receive some opposition. We've received opposition when we started this church. I, I've lost a few friends. I had a couple of friends that are in ministry that are pastors in this city right now. That when I first came here, I was great. I was, we was good. I was even, I even helped a couple of them in their ministry. And, and, and then all of a sudden, then once I started, or we, Crosstown Church started making a little progress, it, 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 things changed. Things changed. People will oppose the good work. The devil, he will try to derail you. If your, uh, your family, your friends, they not all of them are going to agree with your decisions. Not all of them are going to support you. Job, his wife told him to curse God and die. And Moses, his brother, was his biggest opposer. Jesus, Judas, who was in his inner circle, is the one who betrayed him. You know, uh, uh, sometimes your family members, your friends, they may be your biggest haters. Or they may not necessarily be a hater because that might be harsh to say, but it maybe it's, it's real. But maybe they just don't agree. And maybe they don't just, just because they don't agree, they won't support you. So often it's the people that's closest to you that gives you the least amount of support. When your haters, they come out and they pose you, don't respond to them. Just continue to do the good work. Since we started this journey with Crosstown Church, we received all types of, of opposition. I just shared with you just some of some people close to us, some people, you know, some from the devil, some of them from people that are close to us, you know, some some financial hardships. Man, I can't even tell y'all the financial hardships that we that we've been dealing with. I can't even tell you. It's been tough. You know, people in places and some people in high places that have been standing in the way. You know, some, some people that are just simply jealous for no reason whatsoever. You know, we've done our best not to respond, but to continue the work. In all of the opposition and all of the haters that's come out, we've done our very best not to respond to it. Instead, continue to do the work. You know, I believe God is calling Crosstown Church to rebuild what was started. We started good, and then we started have we, we we experienced a little bit of a decline. Then the, the pandemic hit, and we experienced even a little bit more decline. And we're at a place right now where we're starting to see a little bit of an incline. 
it's like okay the, the ticker was ticking down you know the ticker was ticking up and then it started ticking down like the stock markets right start ticking down and now we had a place it, it started to tick back up and, and i believe that man we have an opportunity we're at a place that that to do something to rebuild what we started i believe that we're at the beginning of something great and we don't complete we're not completely aware of it uh, you know once we begin the work once we begin the good work don't be surprised when we face opposition don't be surprised at who our haters turn out to be when they show up i want you all to do this when 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 it comes to us rebuilding crosstown church doing the good work letting the good work begin and 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 and, and that ticker continues to tick up and the haters come out <clears throat> and the opposition comes out this is what I ask of you all. <clears throat> Excuse me. Don't respond. Don't respond to it. Don't respond to the haters. Don't respond to the, to the opposition. Amen. You don't have to defend Crosstown Church. You don't even have to defend me. Just continue to do the good work that you commit yourself to. Just continue to do the good work. Amen. After Nehemiah learned about the opposition, he paid them no attention and he continued to do the good work. And like I told you, he went to God in prayer about it. In verse number six, and I'm closing with this. In verse number six, at last, the wall was completed to half its original height around the city, around the entire city. For the people had worked with enthusiasm. One more time. Verse six, Nehemiah did not address his opposition. He did not res respond to his haters. Instead, he went to God and he prayed and he continued the work. At last, the wall was completed to half of its original height around the city and the people had worked with enthusiasm. In a very quick amount of time, they were able to get the wall built all the way around the city to half of its original height. So they still have more work to do, all right? It wasn't completed yet, but they got it completed up to halfway, all right? Up to halfway, they got it completed. As we do the work and our opposition comes, let us continue to work with enthusiasm, amen? A few quotes as we go out. The less you respond to negative people, the more peaceful your life will become. Stop responding to negative people. All of us, you know, we have haters. All of us have opposition in different areas of our lives, different things that we try to do to move forward, to progress ourselves, to progress our families, to, to progress other people, you know, in, in different places. And, and when that happens, don't respond to those negative people. Don't respond to those haters. Let them let them be let them, you know, play in their own mess. And it gives you more peace. All right? Don't give away your peace trying to respond to their mess. Another quote. I don't give any reason for anyone to hate me. I create or they create their own little drama out of jealousy. Amen. The last quote is this. Haters will seek to walk on water. Oh, no. Haters will see you walk on water and say it's because you can't swim. Did y'all hear that one? Haters will see you walk on water and say it's because you cannot swim. 
If this message was a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry in a financial way, you can donate electronically by texting to 84321 and enter the dollar amount you'd like to donate in the message area. Or you can mail a check or money order to Crosstown Church of Memphis, P.O. Box 40981, Memphis, Tennessee, 38104. We invite you to visit our website at www.wearecrosstown.com for more information about our church. Join us for our next broadcast next Sunday at 10 a.m. Be blessed and be better.